Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back to our study in the book of Proverbs, and today we are in chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 19 and 20. In our last session, we kind of went back and looked at everything that we've seen so far in verse 3, and remember, the reason why we did that was not just to summarize the meaning, but I really wanted to emphasize, uh, especially to those of you young men and women, that as you start your pilgrimage of following Christ, that it's not just, you know, hearing something and then letting it go. It's not just even learning something, putting it in your head and keeping it there. But we know that the the Word of God is really having an impact upon us when it affects our faith, our confidence in God, and our submission to God's Word, and our appreciation of God. So, Um, always keep that in mind, especially today. All right, so let's read Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we... We thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom that not only created the world, but also designed a plan of redemption for fallen man through your son, Jesus Christ, a plan of such infinite brilliance and beauty. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray that in this session that the young people will will see the need to not do what is right in their own eyes or trust in their own wisdom, but to seek you out, to seek out your wisdom in the word. Father, help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so verse 19 comes at the end of all the other things that we've looked at. Why should we do this? Because of this. And basically, why should we not trust in our own wisdom, but trust in the wisdom of God? We saw so many reasons for doing that in the last session. But today, what we're looking at is this. We trust in God's wisdom because he is the one who created the world. And in the creation and sustaining of the world, he demonstrates a wisdom that is infinitely beyond anything that you and I could understand. You know, I, I have a great appreciation for true science and for scientists. Uh, I have a true appreciation for a secular scientists who are trying to also figure out how the world functions, many of their discoveries and things, they ought to be appreciated. But what I want you to see is the greatest minds in the world 
world today. Scientific minds, if they're honest, they say that we haven't even scratched the surface of what's out there. We can't even hardly, with all our knowledge, begin to understand what the universe is and how it functions. Now, on hearing that, we shouldn't turn around and and think less of scientists or, or mock scientists because they don't know everything. Rather, we should worship God that we're part of a creation that goes infinitely beyond anything that we could understand, which means that God's wisdom is incomprehensible. It has no limit. A lot of times I find myself telling my children, just when you think you know all the answers, you need to realize as a young person, you don't even know what the questions are. And when the brightest minds of humanity look at the universe, they admit that. Not only do we not know the answers, we don't even know most of the questions. So much is yet to be discovered. And if you go out as far as you can go, there's so much to know that we don't know. Or if you go inward as far as we can go, into the microscopic, there is so much that we don't understand. But this God who's given us his scriptures understands it all. So if you put you beside God, you ask yourself a reasonable question. Who should be trusted with your life? You or the one who made and sustains the universe? Now, I want to uh, read for you something that uh, comes. Actually, it's a a couple of paragraphs from Answers in Genesis. And it just kind of gives us an introduction into this wisdom of God. So let me read. One attribute of God stands out above all others in creation's display, his wisdom. Consider creation as a whole from the measureless number of galaxies in the universe to the distinctive structure of a single atom. Go out as far as you can go, go in as far as you can go. And God designed it all. From the grandeur of a blue whale to the intricacies of countless microscopic creatures that live in a thimble of pond water. Think about that. Um, A blue whale, I've heard, measures somewhere between 80 and 100 feet long. Or the organisms that live, thousands and thousands of organisms that live in a thimbleful of water. One attribute of God stands out above all others in creation's display. It is his wisdom. Who but an all-wise God could possibly design such a complex universe on so grand a scale, so meticulously organized, with such delicate balance and interdependence between its myriad of parts, and with so much variety and complexity, even in its infinitesimal features? Science has not begun to discover even the tiniest fraction of all that could conceivably be known about the universe. But every sentient creature, sentient means a creature, a thinking, contemplating creature, an intelligent creature. Every sentient creature who considers creation should be awestruck by one obvious reality. The careful arrangement of the universe reveals the creator of unfathomable wisdom. 
Ponder that point some more and you'll realize that the wisdom of the creator must be more vast than the universe itself. Infinite wisdom. Now, it finishes with a text that's one of the most powerful in the scriptures from Romans 11.33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Now, before we look at some of the intricacies of the universe, I just want to give you an illustration. Um, I was born in, uh, in Illinois uh, on a farm. Uh, nothing very spectacular, just on a farm with cattle and horses and, and chickens and goats and, and, and everything else. And so I'm not, a, I'm not a trained military man. I'm not a great explorer. I'm not streetwise. And yet... Um, as I've shared with you before, I've been on very, very dangerous streets in many inner cities of this world and done well. I have been in many of the deep jungles of Peru and, uh, and done well. I have uh, been up and down the Andes Mountains up to one time a little over 18,000 feet, and I did well. I've done many, many things like that. And yet again, I'm still a farm boy from Illinois. So the, the question is, how did I do that? How was I able to do those things? Well, it's because of this. It's not because of my wisdom or my craftiness or my expertise in anything. It's because I was with people who knew what they were doing. When I was in the jungle, I was with tribal people who lived in the jungle all their life. When I was in the high Andes, I was with mountain men of the Andes. When I've been in dangerous inner cities with gangs and drugs and all sorts of things, I was there with, with people who knew the neighborhood and was known there. And they were streetwise and they knew where to go and where not to go and how to act and how not to act. The point that I'm trying to get across to you is this. I recognize that I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but that there were others far more advanced, far wiser, far more capable than myself. And, in and instead of just going my own way, I, I trusted in their expertise. Well, that's what we're talking about here. So, you, if you're a young person, let's say you're, I don't know, 10 years old, 15 years old, 19 years old. And so you've, you've lived, you know, your life is kind of like a little firefly. You've, you've lived for just a moment of time. I mean, there are turtles that are older than you. And so you know that you, not only do you not know the answers, you, you don't know the questions are the complexities and and that wisdom is something that you're not born with it is something that you learn now from whom do you want to learn that wisdom if i was willing to entrust myself to aguaruna tribesmen in the jungle or to some streetwise person in the center of the city of lima how much more should should i should you be willing to entrust ourselves to a God who has such a wisdom that uh, with that wisdom, he not only created, 
but sustains the entire universe. Now, I pulled some, uh, just some different scientific facts from, uh, I thought this would be kind of uh, helpful, encourage you to trust in God. Just a few scientific facts that I've pulled off of, of different science websites and things like that. And I want to read them to you so that when you hear them, you, you realize, indeed, this is the God in whom I should trust. It would take 100,000 years to travel across our galaxy if we were going the speed of light. So 100,000 years to cross our galaxy if we were going the speed of light, and the speed of light is 186,000 miles a second. Now that's pretty big. Yet there, there's another galaxy out there that is over 50 times larger than our own Milky Way. 50 times larger. Now think about this. 100,000 years to travel across our galaxy going the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles a second, and yet there's another galaxy out there that is 50 times larger than ours. Now listen to this. It is estimated that there are over 2 trillion galaxies in the universe. Now, listen to this. There are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. The earth is the fifth largest planet, and yet our earth could fit in the sun, fit inside the sun, 1.3 million times. Do you see how large the sun is? Now, there is another star Okay, the sun is a star. There is another star. You've already realized how large our sun is, okay? There's another star that is 1,708 times larger than our sun. Now, let's look at our sun again. The sun contains 99.86% of all the mass in the solar system. That's how big it is. This is an interesting fact I really liked. To match the energy that the sun produces, okay, you would have to light up a hundred billion tons of dynamite every second. I was in a bombing in Lima, Peru many years ago, and it was estimated that there were 2,500 pounds of dynamite that went off, and it literally leveled a few city blocks. It was one of the most devastating things I'd ever seen. I was just a few blocks away. It was terrifying. But the energy that our sun produces, you would have, in order to equal it, you would have to light up 100 billion tons of dynamite every second. God made that sun. And God controls it. Do you realize, have any idea what would happen if that thing got out of control? But God not only made it, adjusted it. He controls it. Now, here's something that's really, really neat. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce the name right, but there's a theoretical, a theoretical physicist by the name of uh, Michio Keiku who said, and, and I checked some other people on this, and they all said the same thing. I'm not an expert at all. 
the human brain has 100 billion neurons. Each neuron is connected to 10,000 other neurons. So sitting on your shoulder, this is what he said. Sitting on your shoulders is the most complex object in the known universe. Sitting on your shoulders. Regardless of how smart your mom and dad say you are or you aren't. That is amazing. And God made that. God made that. Now, listen to this. Each human cell has about six feet of DNA in it. Each cell in your body has six feet of DNA. Each human has about, a hundred, uh, has about 10 trillion cells, and that's a low estimate. Okay? So 10 trillion cells, and each cell has six feet of DNA. That means that each person has around 60 trillion feet or 100 billion miles of DNA inside them. Do do you see that? The earth is about 93 million miles away from the sun. So your DNA in you, just in you, would stretch to the sun and back 61 times. Now, let me ask you, if we were to compare you to God, who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? The God who not only made you, but made this incredibly complex uh, creation. And, and not just make it. That, that's beyond understanding. But that He coordinated everything and sustains it without a drop of sweat with the word of his power. Now, isn't that amazing? Now, young person, listen to me. I've traveled a lot. I've seen a lot of things. I've studied in a lot of places. The older I get, the less I trust in me. And the more I trust in God's word. It's not that when I was young, I needed to study God's word because I was young and foolish. No, I realize now I should have studied God's word more. And the older I get, the more I study it. Because the more I see the frailty, the the limited nature of human understanding, especially with regard to who we are, our relationship to God, what is the meaning of life and how we are to live before our God. Now, I want us to go just for a moment to the book of Job. Um, and here's what I've, I'm not going to be able to, to teach a lot about it. But uh, usually I would never tell you to do this, but I'm going to tell you to do it in this case. Uh, Job has um, 40, let's see, it's 41, 42 chapters in it. But I would encourage you just to get excited about the book of Job and about what we're understanding. That after you listen to this this lesson today, read chapter 38 to 42, especially 38 to 41. Because it's a dialogue between Job 
and God. Now, Job had passed through some severe trials and and he was questioning the wisdom of God, so to speak. Now, don't come down too hard on Job. Job went through a lot more than any of us has ever been through and probably came out a lot more mature than any of us would have. But there's some amazing dialogue in which in all of Job, Job's complaints, why did you do this and why did you do this and why is this happening to me? God never answers his question. But what God does do is call him out. Is call him out. Look in chapter 38. Look in verse 1 through 4. After Job has complained and complained, and I'm not judging him, Job um, is a very godly man. But it says in verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Who is this that's just talking foolishness? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Now he goes on and asks a series of questions about creation. Job, can you do this? Are you going to question my wisdom? Job, I'm doing things you can't even begin to understand. If you look over in chapter 40. Then the Lord, verse one, then the Lord said to Job, will the fault finder contend with the almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. He said. You're finding fault in me. You can't even begin to comprehend who I am or what I am doing. You see, whenever we're going through really difficult times, there are two pillars that we hold on to. The first is God is good. Because the devil will sit there and say, God is not good. Look what you're going through. God is not good. Look what you're going through. But the Bible teaches God is good. Well, if that pillar stands, then Satan goes to another. God is maybe good, but he's not wise. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what you're going through. This is senseless, useless. But no, the scriptures also affirm that God is wise. So when you and I complain regarding the things of God, we're actually attacking his character. Or when instead of listening to the wisdom of God, we listen to our own wisdom that's contrary to the will of God, we're again attacking God's character. We're saying, I know better than you. Either you're not as good as me or you don't understand things as I understand things. But God calls out Job here. He says, then the Lord said to Job, will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? You really want to fight me? Let him who reproves God answer it. And then again, he's going to give Job all kinds of questions, none of which Job or any man today could answer. God says, I do this, I do this, I know this, I know this. Now answer me, do you know these things? No. Can you do these things? No. Job gives an appropriate response in chapter 40, verse 3. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth once I have spoken and I will not answer even twice and I will add nothing more. There is a thing of entrusting ourselves to an all good, all wise God, and that's what faith is. 
especially when we don't understand what's going on. Now, look in verse 6 of chapter 40. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm and said, Now gird up your loins like a man. I will ask you and you instruct me. Will you really annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Or do you have an arm like the Lord? And can you thunder with a voice like his? And and he goes on again. And and throughout all this, God is showing his power in the creation and the creatures that he's made and his ability to maintain and sustain everything in the universe. And he says, really, Job? You're going to fight with that? And then look over in chapter 42. Job answers the Lord and said in in verse one. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And he goes on, who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here now and I will will speak. I will ask you and you instruct me. You see, that should be our attitude toward God. Even when we're passing through terrible trials and we don't understand why we should say this. I will ask you and you instruct me. Do you see that? When we complain, we should realize that what's going on has to do with things too wonderful for us that we cannot understand. And again, entrusting ourselves to God. Something very beautiful in verse five. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Job passed through all this trial. There was a reason for it. That his misconceptions regarding God would be finally laid to rest and that he would truly understand God as God. Now, young person, listen to me. And, and you can ask anybody. I'm, there's nothing special about me or my life. You can ask this of any old saint, any old Christian. Has God's wisdom ever proven to be wrong in your many years of walking with him? The answer would be no. He's always been right. Has God's goodness ever failed? No. No. Have I always followed God's wisdom? No. Has it ever turned out well? No. He is all knowing, all wise and all good. And you need to trust in him. But how do you do that? You know, I'm so tired. I, I want so much for you to understand this young person. So many people will trust God, trust God, trust God. But apart from his word. How are you going to trust him? Apart from his word, you don't know what he's promised. Apart from his word, you can't understand his character. So young person, look. If you learn nothing from the book of Proverbs, know this, that you have no wisdom in yourself. Just as you have no ability to save yourself from your sin, you have no ability to save yourself from your foolishness. 
Just as you must trust in the word of God that tells you Jesus Christ is the Savior who died for your sins, you must trust in the word of God that talks to you about how do you live your life as a Christian, as a person saved by grace. It is through the word. And I know that much of this study in the book of Proverbs, we've just gone back over and over again. The word, the word. I remember one time my wife was teaching a group of young girls in Romania. And after about three days, one of them said to her, we really appreciate all you've said, but it seems like every time we ask you a question, the answer is we need to spend more time studying God's word and we need to spend more time in prayer. Why is that? And my wife said, because you need to spend more time in the word of God in prayer. I know it seems almost too simple. But in reality, that that's it. Cultivating the mind of Christ being conformed to the image of Christ. It begins, it begins here in, in the word of God. And um, I'll leave you with that. And, and next week we'll, uh, or the next session, we'll start on the book of Proverbs and, and continue on and try to finish up three quickly and get on over to four. Until then, uh, God bless you. And may, may you grow in the things of God. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.